This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Mother's Day is May 12th. And in advance, Sona, happy Mother's Day. Oh, thank you, You're Conan. a terrific mom, and your kids are here today with Did us. you get me a present? I'm Well, it's not May 12th yet, but oh. I'm getting you one. Okay, thank yeah. you. Well, guess what? Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. You can shop by price category or browse curated gift lists ranging from for the mom who has everything to the gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted. I oh, like when you can so go by easy. price because I can go right down to the bottom. Oh, <laughs> Get lines of something for a dollar. Sorry, baby. Oh. <laughs> Top gifts include Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid cameras, and the Samsung smart TV, The Frame. Oh, yeah. Shop now at Macy's.com slash gift finder. And happy Mother's Day, moms. Mm. Hi, my name is Bruce Springsteen. And I feel ecstatic about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there, and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I'm going to say this is, uh, this is a big one. Usually during this beginning chat, I don't often discuss the guest, but there's no way around it today. It's Bruce Springsteen. Yes. It's uh, such a, just a joy to get to talk to him. I've had the pleasure of speaking to him a bunch of times over the years uh, when he made appearances on my show and, and bumping into him in different situations. But man, I just, uh, I love that he's on the podcast and that we're going to have this deep dive conversation I'm really looking forward to it. Sona, I know that you are relatively new to America. Does Bruce I'm Springsteen mean a lot to you? Not new to America. I was born here, but my parents were not. And I remember I was going through their records uh, recently and they were all, you know, Armenian music and this and this. And one American album record that they had, and it was born in the USA. And right. I, I, they, it was the first American record they bought when they came to the States. Didn't your father try to use that album cover as proof that he was born in the USA it, uh, to get past the, the border guards? You think my dad- Didn't he just, hold it up and go, I am citizen, look, born in USA. And they're like, sir, that is an album by uh, Bruce Springsteen. It's an iconic album. That was my dad- that was the impression you just did? I, I, was that my dad? You it's not really. I've just been informed by Springsteen's people that he's canceled the interview. Yeah, I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't blame him. I didn't appreciate that comment. Uh, listen. <laughs> you used to do an impression of my dad where you take a dinner napkin and put it under your nose and pretend it was his mustache. Prove I've done that. Prove it. I have a photo of Damn you it. doing that. Damn it. <laughs> yes. Why I, do I always let you take photos of me <laughs> when I'm doing inappropriate you, things? You posed for it. So anyway, one of my point is, and let's yes. get back to the important yes, thing. Please. Not that I would ha put, as you say, a dinner napkin under my nose rolled up in a specific way to make it look like an oversized mustache to look like your father's Jealous. crazy mustache. Jealous. Great mustache. He has a good mustache. A man's mustache. A real man's mustache. I yeah. could not grow that mustache. You could not. No. I know. I, I grow a nice beard, but my mustache is uh, lacking. Would your father agree to go to a hospital and do a stash transplant where they take some of his mustache <laughs> hairs and implant them into me. It's just so much work. I've done so much for you that I think your dad <laughs> owes me a stash implant. Anyway, look, I think we've drifted. You would look like a, such a perv with a mustache. Sorry. Or a well-to-do pornographer. <laughs> what I would like to say, Sona, to keep us back on track, 
this is a star of a caliber that even your parents know who he is. Yes. And knew who he was when they were in Armenia. Uh, no, they weren't in Armenia. They were in Turkey. They are Armenian, but they were in Turkey. People listening don't care. What about- are you talking about? <laughs> Just are like, go with the flow. Uh, don't be like, well, no, you see, they are Armenian, but they were living in Turkey. But then in Greece for a while. Uh, and of course, Istanbul. Yeah, I've just been informed by Springsteen that he's filing a lawsuit. <laughs> That's okay. I love that his people, I love that Springsteen's people are so professional that they're listening and giving us updates <laughs> yeah, on what Bruce yeah. is doing. And they're texting you, Matt? Bruce, uh, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce loves the- Yeah, Bruce is here. Bruce loves Turkey, uh, both, <laughs> both the country and the, uh, <laughs> the deli meat, and he uh, is very offended now, so he's launched a suit. Um, Matt- I know that you prefer like polka and stuff like that, but Bruce Springsteen, this is a big <laughs> no. deal for you. Yeah, never liked polka. Oh. Uh, yeah, he is a big deal. I admit this is the boss. From day to day, I know you as the boss, but now the boss is here. Yeah, well, I think of myself. Boss. I know. Yeah, I think yeah. to be fair to our listeners, I am the boss. No, you're girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> you're a boss. He, no, 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 no. He is a boss of some East Street banders. He I is will... the boss. You are a boss yes. of some people. He is the boss of but everything. But you know what? <laughs> I actually don't think I'm the boss of you, Sona. <laughs> and I'm not the boss of Gorley. In fact, I'm hard pressed to find anybody who works technically for me who thinks of me as a boss. Yeah. Right? I don't have that boss thing where you people are like, don't. uh-oh, here comes the boss. Yeah, people aren't going like, here comes the boss, because that's superseded by, uh-oh, here comes Conan, the man. Yeah, You know, like, we don't know what you're going to do, and we know we're in for something d- harrowing. Yes. That's not true. I think I'm a swell fella. <laughs> Any regular listener of this podcast knows me to be gentle as a lamb. <laughs> no. You know Mm-mm. you know, when the devil wears Prada when she's walking in and everyone, like, changes their shoes and, and they're changed their Posture, I mean, when Meryl Streep when walks Meryl in, Streep yeah. walks in, and yeah. everyone's getting yeah. really nervous. If I'm watching TV and I'm leaning back in my chair, and you're walking in, I do not do anything different. I yeah, stay and I love exactly you started that with when I'm at work and I'm watching TV and leaning back in my <laughs> chair, <laughs> meaning. You're really not working. You happen to be at work, but you're uh, binge watching something from Netflix. Yes. Well, yes, that's what I mean. Is I I'm not right. terrified enough to be like, oh, I have to make sure he doesn't see me watching. Not you know, terrified Rick enough. And Morty. Not terrified enough, or not terrified at all, and in fact, quite dismissive of my presence. That might be. That's, that's accurate. Yes, yes. There you go. Good. Uh, anyway, to keep things on track, uh, I. Um, just absolutely delighted that Bruce Springsteen's on the on the podcast today. Yeah. And uh, I don't want us to waste time. I always say that. But then, of course, I do waste time, but we can't today because this is an opportunity that comes but uh, once in a lifetime. Yes, that's true. That's so, true. And you've always had a connection with him because of Max Weinberg as well. Max Weinberg, my uh, drummer and band leader for 16 years uh, in late night, 17 years, I think, actually. Uh, and um, Bruce always so kind and always checking in with me and saying, I hope it's okay that I'm, you know, bringing Max back on tour and just, just yeah. like a call he didn't have to make, mm-hmm. but, uh, a, uh, a lovely artist, great guy. So let's do it. Yeah. I say we do it. Let's go. Let's do it. But first a story that goes nowhere. Uh, <laughs> 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 My guest today, of course, a rock icon who has won 20 Grammy awards and sold over 135 million albums worldwide, making him one of music's best-selling artists of all time. His 20th studio album, Letter to You, which I've uh, listened to many times now, and it is beautiful. Uh, It is now out, and the documentary film of the same name, capturing the making of the album, is available to stream on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, To say I'm thrilled he's with us today is a pathetically inadequate understatement. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen... Bruce Springsteen. Bruce, welcome. I am speaking sincerely, first and foremost being how generous you were with Max Weinberg and allowing us to 
have his services while he was uh, employed by you. Well, <laughs> I've always appreciated that. <laughs> okay, well, Bruce, let's get something straight. I've tried to explain this to you before because you've been very kind to couch it this way. I borrowed your drummer, okay? <laughs> I would not know who Max Weinberg was uh, had it not been for the fact that he was uh, the great drummer for the greatest rock band uh, in the world. And occasionally you'd call me up and you'd say, uh, Conan, uh, we're about to head out on the road. Might I please, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's yours. He's your guy. You lent him to me for 16 years. For 16 years, you let me have That's uh, the great Mighty Max Weinberg. That's and mind-boggling. Um, isn't that, you know, my plan was is to start borrowing your guys one by one. That's interesting. And moving them over to the late night show. And so, you know, get Steve, get Nils, slowly incorporate them until I had the entire E Street band and then tell you, Bruce, they're mine now. That was my plan. It didn't quite work out. Yeah, it was going to, it was a long con. It was going to take me about eight years to one by one get every single guy. Either way, for 16 years, it worked out well. It worked out better than well. And uh, who knew? We also found his comedic streak. It took us a while. It didn't happen overnight. But we found out that when you cut to Max for no reason, (laughs) when he's not paying attention during a sketch, people thought it was the funniest thing in the world. (laughs) I'm just saying, you're not maybe using him to his full extent. I don't think we are. Max is funny. I will tell you this, Bruce. The two guys, in my opinion, who work, really work the hardest in that band, I'm going to say it's you first, and I'm going to say it's Max second, in terms of caloric expenditure (laughs) during a concert, because you burn about, I'm going to say conservatively, 8,000 calories. (laughs) And that could be on an acoustic set, where you're sitting on a, if you were sitting on a stool, and you were just singing old folk songs at a funeral, you would burn 8,000 calories. Uh, But Max would have to soak, I would see you perform with the E Street Band and get the chance to say hi afterwards and you were always so gracious. Max would be soaking his hands in ice because people don't realize how difficult it is to continue drumming at that caliber as you get older. Yeah, particularly 50 years in. Yeah. I may have to just switch that. I would say that Max most likely burns a few more calories than I do. He's, he has to move his hands, his arms, his legs, his feet all at once without ever stopping for three to four hours. I can step back, get a short breather as the guys take a solo or something. Not Max Weinberg. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then on the other side, I've noticed Steve Van Zant. Uh, sometimes uh, he, I see him, he's making chords, but he, I think he can sometimes burn about two calories. <laughs> Occasionally he has to lean his head into a microphone, but other than that... <laughs> He'll take 15-minute breaks to adjust headscarves, you know, and try on try, try on a caftan or something. I have to say, let me, uh, I have so much to be uh, grateful for. Uh, I, I pride myself on, on never getting um, jaded. One is uh, I'm talking to you, which I've had the opportunity to do uh, several times uh, in my career, and it is the uh, highest honor. And the other thing that I'm very grateful for is I really do love of this record uh, letter to you and I would say the word I would use when I heard it is urgency because I know you guys recorded it in five days uh, your people were kind enough to let me get a sneak peek at the documentary film that goes with it this is really a throwback to you guys saying we're going to get this done yeah. in as short a period of time as possible because because we're old and we may die soon <laughs> <laughs> So, so we have got to we have got to hustle this baby into production right now. Okay. Did you ever think of calling the album we We don't have much time. Listen to this shit. We don't have much time left. Yo, it is uh and I'll give you one of my there's so many tracks I love on this record, but my ultimate test and I didn't even realize it is I've listened to this many times and today on my way to this interview, I'm on the 405 freeway and I'm listening to Burning Train Ooh. and I look down and I realize I'm going about 110 miles an hour. <laughs> and 
That is my test. I didn't mean to go that fast, but Burning Train, and there's so many tracks like that, and there's so many different flavors and contours on this album, but Burning Train is you and the E Street Band, kick out the jams, full throttle, joyous, madness is fantastic. All I can say is mission accomplished. (laughs) Yes. You're not looking at chart position, you're looking at speeding tickets. That's right. 110 is just about right. <laughs> no, I swear to God that the, when that song kicks in and the way it builds and it's so anthemic and obviously you've done so much work like that but you man that's your wheelhouse I think you have about 15 wheelhouses but that is one of them which yeah. is pure octane <laughs> that's all it is you know I was thinking about and this is a thought I've had about you over the years you are a particular case and I mean this in the best way but I wonder what fuels this man and I don't understand there is a nuclear rod located (laughs) in the center of your chest that is singular to you. Uh, I have a theory. I don't know if it's too early in the day for therapy, but I have a theory. Let's hear it, my Uh, man. You want to hear it? Yeah, hell yeah. Illegal drugs. No. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just threw that out there. Actually, legal drugs, maybe. Legal drugs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about Advil. Uh, No. Here's my theory. My theory is that to be a truly great artist, you need some components. Anxiety, especially in your youth. Absolutely. An obsessive nature. Obsessive, compulsive, necessary. Obsessive, compulsive nature. Necessary. Plus a complicated relationship with a parent. Unbelievable low self-esteem also helps. (laughs) Well, okay, so I've got one and you've got four. (laughs) I've got the low self-esteem. No, but you, is there something to, and I've, I, I think great celebrity autobiographies are extremely rare. And yours, I thought, was a beautiful piece of writing. And also, I learned so much about your relationship with your father and contrasting that with your mother and your grandmother and thinking, and and people probably don't want to hear this, but maybe that has to be part of the equation. Well, I, I believe that the most successful obsessive artists, and I think the guys that we think of who have something very special eating at them, and that's what makes them interesting to us. There is an undescribable problem at their center that they're constantly sorting, trying to sort out. It's not completely sort outable, but you can find uh, elements of clues that bring you closer to the source as life. And this is how people are using their craft. Uh, This is why you can't take your eyes off them or, or your ears. And those people have had someone in their life who has told them they are the second coming of Christ. And at the same time, someone in their life who's told them they are absolutely worthless and they believe them both. And so consequently, you're in the process of trying to retrieve the unconditional love that you experienced by the parent who told you you were holier than thou and trying to prove to your other parent how deeply wrong they were. So this, I believe, is a, is a psychological makeup of most, mo, mo, of the most interesting artists, I would say, like a Sinatra, De Niro, right. Brando, uh, Dylan, Hank Williams. All of those people, I believe, have some piece of this in their creative equation. So, yeah, I think it's essential myself. I think that kind of historical context conflict in your family is very, very critical. Then add into it eight years of Catholic education, the furnace is starting to burn. There are many people that would think, oh, to watch Bruce and the E Street Band record or to watch Bruce work would be just to watch these guys having a ball. That is not true. You said it is both the most important thing in your life and it's only rock and roll. And you've got to inhabit both. What is essential as you become an adult is you have to refine the ability to hold two contradictory ideas in your mind at the same time without it driving you crazy. That is the mark of adulthood. So there's a lot of things in life, you know, it's like when I, when we go out on stage at night, 
we're out for murder you know <laughs> we are out there to burn it down until you go home smiling and hurting you know but at the end of the day it's rock and roll music we're not curing cancer <laughs> you know so uh right, right. So, and that's the best we can do you know and, and so we and so we do it you know but um keeping those two ideas in your head simultaneously uh, allows you to reach as far into the heavens as your spirit soul hopes and fears will allow while at the same time staying sane and, and some relatively balanced here on earth it's a next to impossible combination i've heard lincoln abraham lincoln was described that way as they said what a mark of his intelligence was that he could hold two completely contrasting ideas in his head at the same time yeah i think that added to his his greatness and i think that is yeah that's adulthood uh i love my kids and occasionally um they make me want to jump out a window uh, yeah, i'm of able course. to contain both of those ideas if you can acknowledge them it will bring you some peace it will quiet your mind which is something that most artists don't possess you know um, yeah. it's, it's not the nature of artists to possess a quiet mind but but getting some small things like that straight uh, i found i found it did it did bring some peace into my daily life do you think you've mellowed at all or do you think because you were probably I guess you might say yeah I've mellowed with age and not just age but the accomplishments that boggle the mind but maybe at the same time I, I don't believe that you've mellowed nearly as much as other people would have mellowed that would have experienced your kind of success well it sort of all depends how you're using the term uh, I, I think if you asked my wife she would say that I have mellowed in some ways that were uh, I, I, I think the, the destructive parts of my character hold less sway over me than they did 25 years ago mm-hmm. Uh so that's a good thing. My raw intensity at uh, approaching my work and my job, I haven't mellowed at all. And yeah. that's that's the way I like to keep that, you know. Yes. And, and, that's, and that's an area where, hey, not mellowing is a good thing. There's other areas, you know, it doesn't work the same way across the boards. There's other areas where, hey, you want a life? You better mellow out, my friend. <laughs> you yeah. know? And you're so, not going to make it, yeah. No, you're not going to have it if you don't. But so the problem is when you see people make errors uh, or ruin their lives is they take one thing like, you know, I've got to burn. And then they paint their entire life experience with it. And yeah, you will burn. You mm-hmm. will burn my friend you will burn yourself right to the ground you know and you may have made some great music while you're doing it but what's that mean to you once you're six foot down you know it's just not gonna mean a whole lot so you've got to be able to realize i am going to burn here my brightest here i'm going to do a a different type of living in order to live my fullest and to be uh uh, a solid citizen and partner and parent. Uh, yeah. Important to get those things straight. There's the romance that some of us had in our 20s for the rock icons who died at 27. And as I've grown older, I've thought, well, that was just stupid. It would be just beautiful if Jimi Hendrix had lived a full life. Oh, yeah. And just to name, I mean, you keep going on and on, and Janis Joplin, and, sure. um, you know, what would these people have done? There's no romance at all to me about it anymore. It's just a waste. It's a well, huge waste. Yeah, the nature of rock and roll, it's always contained a death cult. And that may be because of its, uh, its genesis in youth culture. Mm-hmm. When you're young, death and life can feel smushed up against each other you're young and you're taking uh, some more physical risks i mean i remember taking some physical risks i took when i was young that i would not do now you know and uh i mean there's a whole host of 
teenage songs about the car crash, dying on the railroad tracks. She had my ring in her finger, in her hand. I ran back, you know, I mean, there, there's just a, a host of, that sort of became a part of rock culture and was heavily romanticized. And of course, the listener can afford to be romantic about it while the actual, you know, hey, if, if it's your life, it's not much fun for you. <laughs> you right. know, and, right. and like, you know, making a mistake and choking on your own vomit. Uh, no, there's not that much romantic about that. You just talked me out of it, Bruce. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I wanted to get some street cred. <laughs> I've been thinking about it. You know, when you're talking about mellowing, too, uh, I was talking to a doctor once, and he said one of the things that helps men mellow over time is their testosterone levels drop. And I thought, well, then I, I think I'm good. <laughs> I think I'm safe. <laughs> I think I've been safe since about 1981. <laughs> but that's something. Something too. I think there's something to uh, guys that uh, we just there's a juice running through our bodies that is amazing in some ways and uh, but gives us f- stupid ideas like I'll ride that motorcycle without a helmet because who cares? Nothing can happen to me. Yeah, well, you know, you, you still carry a little bit of that with you. Uh, it's like uh, Patty said to me, hey, do you want to go skiing? I said, why? <laughs> like, why? Why would we ski? We're 70. <laughs> I to fall down and break my ass, break my leg. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why, would yeah. I, yeah. why would I go up the mountain just to come down again? <laughs> yeah, it just didn't make sense to me suddenly, you know? I want to ask you about the Castiles because they're an important part of this album. You looking back, especially the song Last Man Standing, when you were growing up in New Jersey, uh, you belonged uh, in Freehold to this group, the Castiles. Yes. And this was your band. And when you look at it, to be that young, this band lasted through the prime years of the 60s. Yeah, there was a long time for a bunch of teenagers to stay together. It's very yeah. rare. And uh, it was a, quite a long time, and I learned an enormous amount of my craft while in that band and uh, deep feelings for it and for that time in my life, you know. But uh, it was rare to stay together that long. Were you guys, uh, was it a cover band primarily? I mean, you it was primarily you be a cover band, and we had a few originals. Do you remember? What was your go-to song? Like, this is the song we do that's maybe our best go-to cover song. Do you have a memory of what that might have been? To blow the roof off the house, uh, we did a hellacious version of Them's, Van Morrison, Mystic Eyes. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Uh, that's not a very well-known song, but I used to front and play the harmonica and move about like a madman on Mystic Eyes. You credit your time in the Castiles puts you out in front of live audiences in union halls, in VFW, you know, you name it, potluck dinner halls. It puts you out there. And everything. you, everything, you guys played everything and you learned to play live, which is something maybe that isn't happening as much today for young artists. Well, you know, there are still people who play great live shows there's great live performers out there at, at, at all at every level in the clubs and in theaters and in, in stadiums and arenas you know but it is it a vanishing skill I don't think it will ever vanish, but it's it's certainly been, you know, it has a lot of competition from the Internet and, and, and social media and a variety of other things. But at the end of the day, that act of getting people in a room and a band on stage, which is an act that will never be simulated, uh, is a powerful, powerful experience. And to feel we don't have them yet, we got to get them. Or they're starting to come around, let's really lay it on now. That's the oh, kind man. of muscle that you learned when you were in high school with the Castiles that I think you've just kept honing and honing and honing until oh, you got to yeah. the point where you were doing four, I think you, were, you set the record, I think four hours and six minutes for a concert. When you think about the Beatles 
in their live performing days uh, when they were, you know, huge rock men. I think they would do 20, 25 minute shows. Yeah. You know, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. We screwed the whole thing up by playing too fucking long. Now, I know. Now I have to do it. Well, what happens now is that if you do three hours and 50 minutes hey, man. Want, and then leave, That's people right. want their money back. <laughs> I got fucked. Bruce just walked off after three hours and 50 minutes. We got a baby sitter for nine hours I want my money back exactly <laughs> very hard it's hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube <laughs> no um, you no, you can't <laughs> I, I saw i saw you perform with the east street band i don't remember exactly which year it was it might have been around 2005 i saw you guys perform as a great show and this is something that i've said to many many people who've asked me what they think it takes and I've cited you many times. I said, I saw Bruce Springsteen and he's got nothing left to prove, but he's gave this amazing show. And at one point during the show, you did a song where you used, I'd never seen you do this before, you used a falsetto. It was quite powerful and very good. And so afterwards, uh, because of my Max connection, Max brought me back and uh, his hands, he went to sew his hands back on. And, uh, <laughs> They had fallen off. And, uh, but you chatted with me in your dressing room for a second, and I said, uh, I really love that falsetto. Uh, and I'd just seen you completely blow the roof off the place for several hours. And you said, yeah, I'm really, I'm working on that. I've been working on that for a bunch of years, and I thought I would start trying it on this tour, and I keep trying to work on it. I don't think I've quite got it right. And I walked out of that room, and I thought, he's still trying to get to some place. If you're not trying to get to some place, then you're you're just a careerist, you know. And yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that's fine, but it just doesn't interest me that much, you know. Uh, right. I want to be a frontiersman, you know. I want to be out on the edges of my own psychological, emotional, spiritual frontier. I want to be working there, and I want to work there till the day I die. Uh, to me, that's a fulfilled life. Uh, pushing forward, always searching always looking for that next thing that's going to add that small piece to the puzzle that's going to then allow you to go further than that. Uh, you know, because as we move forward, our life blossoms and the benefits of that search f fall into the laps of our loved ones and our people we work with and and and, and into our own lives, into our own lives. It's a, it's a rewarding process you know, and one that I would wish on everyone. And I know people who don't do this at all. And I could name our most prominent exponent at the moment, but why belabor the topic? All right. <laughs> so, so, yeah. The, so, one, of, one of your Joe Biden attacks. From, uh, <laughs> we know, Bruce, we know that you're not a, not a fan of democracy. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> you, know? you got that word out a long time ago. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park, or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus... They also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I notch. didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check terrific, out brunch. Boy. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 
way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it, it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to LinkedIn.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I remember I played behind Roy Orbison in 1988. Roy was singing like his life depended on it. Yeah. You know, he was singing like he'd never heard those songs ever before, and that he was having all of these realizations for the very first time. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Even with material that he'd probably sung many, many times before, he was approaching it as if he was out on the frontier of it. As if, as if tonight, if I sing these songs beautifully and well, I'll learn something or gain something that I have not learned or gained from the previous nights when I've done this. Mm-hmm. That seemed to be, A, it was a way to avoid just the nostalgia which Roy did by being so purely present uh, it was just it was just a good lesson and I, and I took it to heart and I said yeah that's that's how I want to approach my work you know uh, and it doesn't seem highfalutin to me it seems right. if anything it seems grounded to me you know it seems like a very grounded approach to take to life on earth you know, yeah, and, and yeah. how we may and how we may make the most out of it. I uh, I know you've talked about it, and it's one of the things I've wondered about in my life because I'm a huge uh, rock nerd. Is Chuck Berry and his you know one of the greatest poets of the 20th century, and maybe one of the most influential musicians who kind of seemed to have almost a contempt towards his own music, which I didn't understand. I know you played behind him when he used you as a pickup band, but 
the guy would barely tune up. A lot of people have that that whatever you want to call it that characteristic. You can find you can find the the certain inner nihilism that does drive us. You know, I mean, it's in every it's in everyone, and it's in the car with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not good when you put that part of you behind the wheel. You know, it's it's always going to be in the car. Don't let it drive too much. You know, there there may be a creative moment in a safe certain circumstance or something where you can let it loose and interesting questions arise. But I don't want that guy driving my car all the time. Right. Uh, but some people, you know, Chuck was funny, you know, he, uh, hundreds of years from now, hundreds of years from now, when people want the purest distillation of rock music, they will play Chuck Berry music. You know, uh, it's it's simply a fact. He may be the purest distillation of of, of us of, of us all you know yeah. he's uh, it's magnificently blessed transcendent music of great american genius and the fact that he personally did not value it that highly that's his tragedy yeah i know that you obviously in your early career very influenced by dylan very influenced by by chuck berry one of my favorite songs of yours you ever uh, of of all of them and, and i i love so many of them but open all night on nebraska <laughs> is one of my absolute I put that song on all the time, trying to play along with it. I think it's got some of the best writing and imagery. Just, you know, having fried chicken popping our fingers on the Texaco roadmap. I think that is some of the best writing in rock and roll. I think it's up there with Chuck Berry. And I, 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 I just, it's absolutely gorgeous, evocative imagery. And well, the song is totally Chuck Berry inspired, you know, mm-hmm. and because uh, he was the master of everyday imagery. You know, Nadine, honey, is that you? You know, every time I catch up with you, uh, you know, you're in this, uh, uh, turn the corner, double back. I saw her getting in a coffee colored Cadillac. Yep, yep, yep. Man, I love that song so much. I painted my Cadillac coffee. <laughs> I have a 1967 white leather interior coffee colored Cadillac. Did you go and yell at the body shop guys? Like Chuck said, listen to the right. song, assholes. Like what Chuck said. Strictly because of Chuck Berry. So he's a patron saint, regardless of how he felt about himself. Yeah. Chuck came up at a, at a moment when rock music was considered worthless. It was considered at best a novelty, mm-hmm. uh, at worst dangerous, and a dangerous trash to expose your children to. And uh, no one believed it had any transcendent value whatsoever, or that the idea that it might address the spirit in some way, it was laughable. You know, now I grew up at a time when the business went from the single to the album, when art was suddenly considered to when rock was suddenly considered to be this great art, right? And uh, that that did have all the that did have the ability to to contain all those qualities, and so that may have affected the perceptions we have. You know, the moment that you, I mean, people ridiculed Elvis. It's amazing that these guys can carried on and were, were simply so good at what they did because the encouragement uh, was either, it was purely financial, you know, it's selling. <laughs> okay, I'm going to keep going. Or people performed like like we performed just because they had to, you know, because it was a talent they had, they were good at it, and it brought them rewards in the world. And and But, but those were very different generations, and I think people then approach, it made people approach their music with very different attitudes perhaps yeah. you know uh, though you know you know there's, there's plenty of people who um, I think Elvis 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 had regard for his music in in, uh, in his own way uh, obviously certainly Roy and, and there's yeah. many 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 others you know and uh, Buddy Holly but, I think had regard for his music of course of yeah. course but I think I think that we talk about Chuck because Chuck being the greatest genius of rock and roll song Songwriting and seeming to, seeming to be the most con- 
conflicted about uh, it, its own worth is 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 uh, as I say it's it's it, 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 it's a bit of I would have I would I would have wished him the peace that would have come with with realizing just how beautifully he did his job you know yeah. how beautifully he did his job and uh, but you know but 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 we live different lives you know like i say our minds are not quiet and we do not uh, uh you know we're all at the end of the day conflicted souls doing our best to get through the world yeah i think a lot of people forget that in the 1950s rock was seen as something to do quickly and then get out of it with some money to move on yeah. to the next thing for Elvis that was movies uh, but everyone saw it as a fad get your money and get out as fast as you can uh, you of course uh, coming along in the late 60s rock and pop starts to become legitimized in the 70s is this renaissance of beautiful serious writing about rock music yeah and you in, in the late 60s you had the, uh, uh, the you know the birth of, of the rock critic uh, John Landau, you know, my, my yeah. manager was one of the pioneers of rock criticism, and they brought a whole different viewpoint towards what music, what popular music was capable of doing and what it was capable of addressing. I kind of, I always look at that we were born right in the golden age, you know, right sort of at a time when, you know, the 70s, you had the the birth of the album and, and, and then into the 80s where the business itself exploded and suddenly there you, you could play to 20,000 people and the technology was there to allow you to do that. You know, the sound systems, sound systems had gained, which really wasn't there in the 70s or the 60s. But, but in the 80s, the technology allowed performers to reach a bigger audience live. And there was a golden age of, of really uh, live playing that is still there, but we've, we've passed out of quite a bit so it's 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 uh, it's just interesting time you know now of course you know the whole thing can lead to overdoing overblown interpretations of what's essentially entertainment you know i always look at it like yeah i put my music out and i want people to vacuum the floor to it i want them to do their laundry to it i want them to go out chase their kids around the park to it and and dance to it and and uh, uh and then if, and then you know i try to put something else in there so then there's a little more if you want to dig deeper you know that's 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 sort of my approach and but but I was I think I was affected so so fully by popular music that I just said I want to do that and I want to do all of that what Benny King achieves in this magic moment to me transcends uh, just a, a popular P, a popular single that was 98 cents down at J.J. Newberry's right. that you brought home and was slow dance to your girl. There was something more in it. I've, I've always been interested in that something more. What's what you, I think, uh, limits. We, we think that they're our enemy, but they're our friend. And there's the limit of... I think what you call it, uh, the pop song or the rock song, life in 180 seconds uh, or less is something that I've heard you say that this is, and the limits of getting your band together and saying, we're going to make this record in five days. We're going to limit ourselves. We are going to put uh, restrictions on ourselves, which will make us, even at this stage of our career, push harder. Does that does that resonate with you? Yeah, give me that again, Conan. Okay, I think you were on the internet for that part. <laughs> I don't know what you were looking at. I don't know what you were looking at. If you're, are you buying stuff right now? Are you bu- you're buying stuff online? Are you? Bruce Springsteen is online shopping <laughs> while I'm trying to fucking talk about the essence of rock and roll in a hundred and you, 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 s- <laughs> you lost me in there. You lost oh, yeah. me in there somewhere. Well, that's somewhere my fault, Dad. That must mean I'm I'm bad at what I do. Uh, <laughs> Hey, let me quickly ask you uh, about guitars. Uh, <laughs> okay. Guitars, because one of the things I love uh, that I saw you using this documentary is you go back and you play your old Sears. I think it's like Sears Kent, which is a uh, yeah, uh, it's a goofy uh, guitar that has a. 
uh, a speaker built into it. And I know they also. Oh, that's a, um, that's a silver tone. Oh, that's a silver tone. Okay. The Kent had the yeah. speaker built into the case, I think, right? The, 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 no, the silver tone had both a guitar with a speaker built into the guitar and a Dan Electro, Dan Electro silver tone also had a guitar with a speaker built into the case. That was a very, ah. very popular item. Right. And I still see guys play them to this day. You know, uh, they're not great, but they're different and, and they were relatively sturdy pieces and, and they got you in the game for a relative small amount of money. Yeah. Well, you lost me. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can do it to me. I can do it to you. I'm, uh, I'm watching a 1988 basketball game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can I ask you, a fan, you talk about you You uh, wrote this album uh, on a guitar that a fan gave you. And let me say why that intrigues me. I would love to give you a guitar just as a token, but that's like bringing Coles to Newcastle. I, I cannot think of a guitar I could give you that would mean anything to you because you have apparently every guitar in the world and the means to get any guitar you want. What did this fan give you that just grabs your imagination? First of all, every guitar is individual. You know, there are no two guitars that I've ever played that are the same. And so uh, I occasionally am gifted a guitar and I'm always, I'm usually fascinated by it, you know, and fascinated by what it might do that another one might not do. Uh, this guitar was handed to me as I came out of my play on Broadway. The kid was just on the street holding a guitar I thought he wanted me to sign it or something and then he said no no Bruce Bruce he was Italian and uh, he says I, I want to give it I want to give this to you so I went over I said you know are you sure yeah yeah and so we, we had it made just for you okay so I took the guitar. It wasn't in a case or anything. I just took it in my hand and I jumped in the car with it. And I didn't look at it really very much till I got it home. But when I got it home, I realized this was a beautifully made guitar. The, there was all different types of wood. The wood was gorgeous. It played as good as any guitar that I own wow. and, and sounded as good as any guitar that I own. It's just one of the nicest guitars that I have. And... I left it in my living room just because I'd pick it up and play it. And when it came time, when I could feel the song starting to gestate a little bit, I picked it up. And over the next six or seven days, most of the songs on Letter to You came out of it, you know. So it was a really sort of lucky little uh, Do you know who this kid, Do you know who this kid was? I believe his name is Corrado Gambi. Wow. We got to make this guy famous. This guy made the guitar that stole Bruce Springsteen's heart, Carato Gambi. I think that's his name. That, that that's that's what somebody tracked down. So all right, uh, Carato. I also sure. play Carato. I play, and I could use a. I could always use another guitar. So I'm, I'm sure I'll see him again. Well, I have uh, my last question for you, and this is a quick one, and it stumps me. But you talk about great bands. And people start naming them. And many of the great rock bands are British. When you say, okay, but you're limited to America, I think E Street Band. And then I start to have a hard time. And I don't know, E Street Band aside, do you have a band, an American band in mind that just inspires you that you think is, and I'm talking about a real band, not an assembly of session guys, just an American band. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? There's like in Britain, you've got, there's the Beatles, there's the Stones, there's the, I mean, it just goes on and on. The Who, there's Led Zeppelin, it's just, it doesn't stop. In America, it's very hard the E Street Band feels like an anomaly. Well, I don't think so. I think there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, if you go back into history, of course, you're going to write, you're going to have the Beach Boys and the Birds. Yep, were, yep, uh, yep. All, I mean, you know, that's okay. if we go back into history, there's a there's a, quite a few. But but if you're asking like today, uh, uh, Arcade Fire is a great band. Yep, the, true, the, true. The, the the Killers have one of the best live shows. Yep, I've I've seen. If you want to go have fun in the lives of the, the Killers. Had a great, have a great live show. So what's 
happening uh, out there. It's out there. It's yeah, happening. yeah. There's all kinds of, of excellent musicians. Foo Fighters play great live. Yep, uh, yep. Pearl Jam. There's there's lots of good uh, American, you know, young American bands out there today. I'm I will put East Street Band at the top, as I think you all will. All right. Uh, I'll, and, I'll go there, and I am going to uh, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, I want to say okay. uh, one of the great uh, great honors to talk to you, and I will leave you with this. I have I've got one show business photo in my that hangs in my house uh, up in my room in my study, and it's. Uh, you and me uh, playing oh, together. You let me yeah. play with you uh, on my show, I think, in maybe 2008. Um, right. And, I was impressed, uh, I have to say. You know, my happiest moment of my life was we were done, and I turned, and Niels looked at me, and he said, you were in the pocket the whole time. And I thought, <laughs> and I That's pretty repeated, good. That's uh, pretty good. And I, uh, it's the happiest I've been in show business. And you've made me delightfully happy. And I think you've made uh, people around the world, probably uh, three quarters of the world's population, ecstatically happy at one time or another. And I don't, I can't think of anyone else who can say that. I think it's, uh, and I, I it's a That's joy nice to get cool. to talk to you. It really is. And give my best to the guys and to Patty and to everybody. And yeah. thank you for making a letter to you because you didn't have to. You've got nothing to prove, and it's absolutely beautiful. It really is. Thank you, Colin. I appreciate uh, I, I, I appreciate your support all these years. You've been a great guy, and and you know I know we joke about it, but Max had a great run on your show, and it meant yeah. a lot to all of us. It meant a lot to me, and uh, you know we got a lot of love for you. So God bless. Well, thank you. I think we. I think I made the difference for you in your career. And, uh, <laughs> okay, Bruce, take Absolutely. care and thank you so much. All right. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. So, no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching, you can go hiking in Yosemite, and then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want, they got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security systems from virtually anywhere. Google Nest cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. You can know that there's a package out there. I know. And not a person. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, sometimes a person rings the doorbell and I think it's a package. Anyway, (laughs) and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you can get 30 days of event video history, even smarter notifications like when a familiar or unfamiliar face is seen. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just a tap. Mm. I'm always setting off alarms accidentally. This is helpful for me. Oh, good. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, you got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC. done any voicemails in a while do you want to check in with the people the listeners i'll be honest there's some fear involved when i listen (laughs) every time there always is single time you know what i'm in i'm in a bubble i live like many celebrities in a bubble uh that nothing can penetrate where all i hear is you're the best man you're the best 
Okay. Then, yeah. <laughs> which, by the way, couldn't be further, further from the truth. From the truth. <laughs> I've created a bubble where I'm filled with people <laughs> who say, you suck. <laughs> I hate you. I don't know why I made that bubble. I don't know either. I, you had a choice and you, you chose that. I, I know. I chose, uh, I chose very, uh, I chose the wrong way to go. But anyway, it's what I chose and it sort of suits me. Yes, I'm in a bubble where I get nothing but negative criticism. So maybe, maybe we'll hear something nice. I don't know. I think we will. I uh, collected these a while ago, so it's going to be just as much a surprise to me. This will be exciting. Mm -hmm. Do you edit out the ones that are like, I'll kill you, man. I hate you. I hate you. I'll kill you. You edit those out? I do. Well, so you just admitted they exist. Matt. Matt. Oh, great job, Matt. Hey, this is the bubble you created, Conan. Oh, my God. Well, I hope you're forwarding them on to the correct, you know, authorities. There we go. Okay. I'm going to play one for you. I'm just going to choose these randomly. This will be exciting. Hi, Conan. My name is Kate Trandai, and I'm a college student. So as a gay woman, I'd like you to know that the lesbian community stands with you. Um, by the lesbian community, I mostly mean myself. To be honest, I'm not sure if um, all lesbians like you that much, but I do, so I think that matters. So anyways, I'd like you to know that you're my personal lesbian icon and would love it if you could say gay rights on the podcast. Also, hi to Matt and Soda. I love you two so much. Thank you for sacrificing your emotional well-being to be on the podcast. Bye-bye. Oh my God, Kate, that is uh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, gay pride. Yep. I'm uh, totally down with gay pride. And I clearly, Kate, uh, if you are my only lesbian fan, I am honored. I am truly honored. I have friends who are lesbians who love you. Oh, okay. So you, you have know. more than one. And I think it's because, and I, this is what I got from Kate. Does she, she thinks I am a lesbian. No, you're a lesbian icon. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think, part of my secret is that uh, I think there are probably many lesbians out there who think that I am a lesbian. Well, can't you be a lesbian icon without being a lesbian? No, she made it, I think Kate made it very clear. Oh, okay. That I am a, uh, thought of as a great lesbian. Okay. Which I'll take. Yeah. Um, I think I have somewhat uh, gender confusing um, appearance sometimes. Oh, y- y- yes. <laughs> what? what are you talking about? Yes, you do. Well, let's talk about that. You <laughs> can sometimes be a, a little bit more. I can't. Uh, there's there's like there's features in certain angles that mm-hmm. are more feminine Mm -hmm. female i am very pretty a very attractive face very pretty face you think you're you think you're pretty i'm dancing around this so hard yeah i think of you as gender scrambling (laughs) that's that that actually makes better sense i'm gender scrambling okay you know how you like jam a radio transmission Well, the important thing is, Kate, I think, has brought up a very good point, which is uh, I like to be all things to all people. Yes. Oh, so yeah. I really do. Uh, and if um, if and, and, and <laughs> if Kate believes that I am, you know, an important part of the lesbian community, I'm down with that. Yep. Yeah. You're the wonder bread of sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> You mean I have no nutrients? I've, I, I definitely have no nutritional value. Mm-hmm. But you taste good. No, it, it ta- I taste good for a second, and then you feel horrible a little later on <laughs> yeah, when your body realizes true. it just ate uh, nine pounds of chemicals oh, that had been whipped true. up into a white bread. By the way, apropos of nothing, one of my clearest memories uh, as a child as we went on a field trip when I was at the Baldwin School, at one of the, uh, it's an elementary, public elementary school in Brookline, Massachusetts. And they said, we're going on a field trip today. And they put us all on a bus and we were so excited and they took us to the Wonder Bread Factory. Oh, no. <laughs> and we watched giant machines shit out bread. Oh. Fake bread. You know, you'd think you'd go to a museum. Yeah. Or, I mean, we're near, right near Boston. But we could have gone into Boston and seen the site of the Boston Massacre. We could have seen, uh, you know, the, we, we, we could have seen the USS Constitution. We could have seen Faneuil Hall. We could have seen the Old North Church. No, they took us out to some industrial part of of Massachusetts and they showed us the Wonder Bread Factory and then they said we have a surprise for you at the end. We each got a paper hat that said Wonder Bread on it 
And I swear to God, mine, they dissolved instantly when we went outside. <laughs> it's made out of Wonder Bread. It was made out of Wonder Bread, I think. It was the, it was made out of a, and I, to this day, I'm like, well, how is that educational? Well, I think it was teaching us about disappointment. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's an American institution, Wonder Bread. It is. I like it. You know, if I didn't care about my health, I would eat it all the time. I don't. I think we just lost them as a sponsor. Um, All right. So I got on a little digression there about uh, Wonder Bread. But I do want to say, Kate, uh, yes. Gay Pride. Yes. Thank you for listening. And you're wrong. I think I am not toxic for my coworkers here. Uh, What? Yeah, what? They, they, she, Kate said that you're sacrificing your emotional well-being by being with me. Uh, yeah, no, that's right. Not true. That's true. So yes, Kate, to wrap up, I'm very proud to have you as a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you seem like a very cool, funny person. And, um, you know, talk me up on campus. Tell your friends, hey, Conan, he's the bee's knees. <laughs> God. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.